This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We are at the Pluckers in Dallas at Lovers in Greenville. Jeff Cavanaugh to my right eating some delicious wings at the bar. Here's the good news, too. They're doing a replay of Mavs Pistons from last night, so we're enjoying Porzingod in the background. We'll get into all that at 1240, but gentlemen, we have a special guest joining us in person. He will have the radio call this weekend of the activities down there in the Red River rivalry. Texas OU, it's the play-by-play guy for that game. Teddy Emmerich, everybody! Hey! Hey, man, I was just coming out to Pluckers for some lunch, and I saw you guys were here, so I decided, why not? Say hello. An impromptu headset on Ted to talk football. (laughs) Out of nowhere. Who saw that coming? Um, So, obviously, uh, before we kind of move into this game, I would imagine... uh, Saints Cowboys except for the outcome that must have been quite a thrill oh my gosh I mean I it's funny I was just talking with Jeff a moment ago it's one of those things like did you just dream that did that really just happen did you call a game on the Dallas Cowboys radio network um such a thrill such a blast it's awesome working with Babe and Christy and yeah of course you're hoping for the miracle finish at the end right where they get it at least to midfield and the toss to the end zone didn't quite get all the way there, but man, wouldn't trade anything for the world. It, it was so special, especially being in New Orleans, my dad's hometown. It's something I'll never forget. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't know how to say this and, and make it. You know, I don't know. Like when I listen to Jared Sandler call Ranger games, I'm like, damn, okay, yeah, he he could be calling these games all the time. I Absolutely. listen to you, and it didn't miss a beat. Like I didn't. I found myself just listening to a game. I didn't go. Hey, I'm listening to Teddy call a game. I was yeah. just listening There's to a game. There's this kid on the air. <laughs> right. And so it, I don't know how to say that, you know, in the right way. But, dude, you're ready. You could be an NFL broadcast. You are. You you know, you're brilliant at what you do. So uh, I was very proud of you as your friend just going, damn, he's killing it. You did a wonderful job. Oh, Ben, thank you so much. Again, I, I can't say enough about the crew overall. Here's a story for you. So it made it beyond just being in New Orleans, dad's hometown, that whole bit, which was wonderful. The spotter that I used for the game, a friend of mine named Brandon Carpenter, he had never been to New Orleans before. So the night before, as a crew, we all go out, hit up Bourbon Street. He, he, he has no idea what's in store for him. And so he walks down. All of a sudden, there's a fight outside this bar over here. You know, people are throwing hand grenades at, at each other. You know, the drink down there in New Orleans. And by the end of it, you go to Cafe Dumont. He had never heard of a beignet before. Really? Oh. I mean, can you imagine that? And so for him to experience, I thought that was just awesome that he got to see all of that in person. We just missed Jerry, apparently. I guess we were in front of the parade that Jerry led. Right. You know, it was Jerry Jr.'s right. 50th birthday <laughs> that weekend. We just missed them, the Jones family. Well, let's, uh, let's pivot and talk a little Texas OU. As you've been uh, prepping for this game, is there anything that stands out that is somewhat surprising? You've been following both teams all year long, but kind of digging in your notes, was there something that's like, oh, I didn't realize that this might be in play? Man, I just, I love the quarterback matchup, and isn't that what we we always focus on for big games, whether it be college or the pros? Sam Ellinger and Jalen Hurts, man, the the, the pyrotechnics will be on display. Mm-hmm. Again, and, and it, it certainly was last year you know, on two occasions, right? 
regular season than the Big 12 championship when you had Kyler Murray on the Oklahoma side. Thing about Jalen Hurts, I, I had to laugh. Lincoln Riley continues to get asked, like, he must be the quarterback whisperer because Jalen Hurts at Alabama, while he was an outstanding player, he was benched for Tua. Right. And he had that reputation of not being the best passer, right? And Lincoln Riley will tell you, uh, saw in a press conference this week, like, we wouldn't have taken him if he couldn't throw the ball. <laughs> you know, it, it, maybe we refined what he was doing. And you look at it, and once again, it's this Oklahoma assembly line at quarterback. You get a kid who transfers in, whether it's Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and now with Jalen Hurts. Hurts is all of a sudden a legitimate NFL prospect. That's what's incredible, how he has developed this quickly in his one year as a grad transfer. So is it possible that Ellinger will also be a pro prospect? I think he gets a shot. I, I do, Ben. Um, he takes care of the ball. I don't. I, I would love to get Broadus' insight. I would love to get Dane Brugler's insight on this. I am certainly not a scout. The numbers say yes. I, I would love to. I mean, heck, with Jeff and KT. I mean, you guys scout so well uh, on the side. So I... He will absolutely get a shot. Listen, turnovers were the, his biggest issue a couple of years ago. He has cleaned that up. He is also more than what people try to pigeonhole him as, and that is, well, just Tim Tebow 2.0. You know, this burly fullback at quarterback. He's 230 pounds. We know what he does in short yardage situations. I think he's a better passer than people want to give him credit for. Who knows? I, I could absolutely see him getting drafted, but I would uh, lean on somebody else's expertise for that. The thing that's interesting about him to me, like when I watch, and even when I watch Hurts, I watch these games and I go, these guys are good college quarterbacks. They strike me as, and there's been a ton of them that were incredible college quarterbacks, but they simply weren't pros, right? right. We could give you a, a mountain of names of this. But the one thing that's interesting about Ellinger is as watching UT football games as a fan, I want them to win because I flunked out of that school, <laughs> is at the end of games, I feel like they have a chance with him because he makes tough throws. Like early on when I first started watching him, I was like, oh, they're screwed. Uh, and then he would pull a throw out of his butt. Right. And that's that, that one thing. I mean, we talked about it a lot with Dak when he first burst onto the scene. It's like, man, Dak makes throws at the most incredible times when you have to have it. And that's... That's an intangible thing. That's yes. like some aptitude, you know. You've just got some natural ability to pull it out of your butt. So if I'm just dropping in and watching a game, I'm going, that guy doesn't look like a pro. And then he does something at the end of the game, inevitably, that keeps them in it or gives them a chance to win it. Yeah, it's an it factor. You're yeah. right. And I just I love his story. I mean, my goodness. You talk about being destined to be a Longhorn. Right. You know, the, obviously he went to high school in Austin to the same high school that produced Drew Brees and Nick Foles, right. a couple of Super Bowl MVPs. And beyond that, I mean, he was in Longhorn gear when he was a toddler. I mean, there's a picture that his mom took, him flashing the hook'em horns when he was like three years old. It's just, it's awesome to see that when kids like that grow up and then they actually get to wear that uniform, one, and two, be a star, a guy who's still in the Heisman conversation. He's certainly behind guys like Hertz and a few others. But you ball out on Saturday, you're right back in it. The only loss is to LSU here, right? right? And you see what LSU is doing to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, you know, talking about clutch, right? That's mm -hmm. what you're talking about. And I, that's the worst part about sabermetrics or analytics when people sit there in their calculators and they're like, ah, clutch is not a thing. It's uh, according to my spreadsheet. It's, I'm like, what are you talking about? It's absolutely a thing. When everything's on the line, are you able to sit out there with a slow heartbeat and deliver? And 
so many of those guys uh, stand out in that regard. When that when it gets to that moment of the game, they have no issues. They're not uncomfortable in the moment. They're perfectly at ease. Mm -hmm. They can lead a team. People look into their eyes in the huddle with full confidence, and they just thrive in those moments. And man, I, it just drives me crazy when people say clutch is not a thing. You guys hear that too, right? Yeah, and I think you hear it more than in baseball than anything else because they're so big on probability. Sure. Um, I mean, but, you know, especially in the NBA, there's clutch. People talk about a guy being clutch, and then when you go look at clutch numbers, right. they're astonishingly low for the, some of the best players of all time. Like these guys that are hitting 48% of their shots, and there's a lot that goes into it. One is the, the, the situation, but two is, I mean, in the early third quarter of an NBA game, teams aren't selling out on defense. They are in the final two minutes of a game, so it naturally becomes more difficult outside of the – intangible aspects or the pressure aspects defenses are better at the end of games because they're hyper focused on getting stops feels like with this game ted texas secondary banged up oklahoma yeah. can pretty much do what they want through the air and have have been all year long and then on the other end what i've noticed i've always felt like over the last you know four or five years oklahoma's had a better roster of our talented team but texas has just been able to play a little more physical and and keep the ball away, but I, doesn't it feel like we're kind of looking at another 41-40, you know, the yes, type of game? Yes, absolutely. Like that? I hope. Shootout, I right? Right, as it should be, right? You know, whatever you want to call it now, Red River Showdown, it will always be a yeah. shootout to me, right? That's what we grew up with, right? But you're absolutely right, KT. It's a, it's a deal where, okay, can you at least just limit the number of 75-yard touchdowns to C.D. Lamb on one yeah. side and Charleston Rambo, kid from Cedar Hill, on the other for Oklahoma? Texas is without Josh Thompson and Caden Stearns and Jalen Green, three key members of their secondary. Just limit big plays, force a couple of turnovers. That's what they did last year. They forced three turnovers at the Cotton Bowl. That's a, it's about just a few stops. That's yeah. all you need because Oklahoma, okay, they are much better on defense compared to last year. There's no doubt. Alex Grinch has made a difference. Their new defensive coordinator, formerly at Ohio State and Washington State. This is the real test. This is the best offense that Oklahoma's defense has matched up with. And I love, guys, the trash talk that you already see. We see a little <laughs> bit of it great. every week. But Samuel Cosme, the left tackle, of Texas, who scored a touchdown last week against West Virginia, said, hey, it'll be interesting to see how the Sooners respond. I mean, we're, we're the best team that they've played. <laughs> you know, he also said about two uh, Oklahoma defensive linemen in particular, Ronnie Perkins and Neville Gallimore, they're solid players, but they're nothing we should really be worried about. And trust me, Oklahoma has already pinpointed that. And I don't know if people use bulletin boards still these days, but it qualifies as that kind of talk. They're going to remember that. I love that we already have chippiness for this game. Okay, you kind of brought it up there, but give us uh, two or three names because you're so well-versed in this of local kids that are playing in this game on either side to kind of watch out for some guys that you're keeping an eye on. For sure. I, I mentioned Charleston Rambo. He is a breakout player for Oklahoma from Cedar Hill. Guy balled out there. He had to wait around. He had to redshirt at Oklahoma because he's behind guys like Hollywood Brown and C.D. Lamb who were already established. In the offseason, Lincoln Riley tells him, hey, you're going to be our speed guy. You're mm -hmm. going to take Hollywood's place next year. He has. He's fourth in the country in yards per catch. I mean, he could score from anywhere on the field. Uh, Texas, I mean, my goodness, take your pick. But the one that I'm going to focus on is also a receiver, Devin Duvernay. Oh, my God, he's been so much fun. Oh, he's nails. He's an NFL yeah. prospect now, Absolutely. right, KT? Yes. Yeah. I think now he is. Absolutely. He's got to be. I didn't right? know that when the season started. No, I didn't yeah. either. 
He's not right. even built like a receiver. No. He's built like a linebacker or something or, yeah. a, or a strong safety. Right, and, and playing in the slot. Yeah. Sam Ellinger trusts him on third down especially, leads the country in receptions per game. He has been awesome this year. Third leading receiver a year ago. He is the man for Texas this where, year. Where did he go to high school? From Saxe, yes. Okay, right on. He's got multiple 12 reception games, right? I mean, it, just whenever Ellinger is in trouble, they love to go – empty shotgun on third down just let Ellinger create spread the field and when he can improvise he's just got that telepathy with Duvernay it's so fun to watch all right awesome stuff give us your final score prediction here Teddy man I, I'm with KT I gosh I, I will I don't think this is a 10 point game I know that's the line I don't either give give me uh, I'll, I'll take Oklahoma 49 42 oh that'd Woo! be a fun game one score yeah that'd, that'd be a fun game all right. stop it Gara. Amanda Guerra's here and just uh, threw her arms <laughs> yeah. she's wearing a great. damn Astros hat over there about that. oh yeah no. she hell is unbelievable oh, no. she's burning God. the bridge look she's at kind that. of a Florida native now all so. right it's a good point all right thank you Teddy we appreciate it man anytime good, great to see you guys the wickedly talented Ted Emmerich all right coming up next the Cowboys five biggest issues we'll continue to broadcast live from Pluckers in Dallas we appreciate those who have come up here anybody else we're going to be here all the way until two o'clock all right thanks Shippy. it's a Bennett skin show 105.3 the fan happy lunchtime everybody we're broadcasting from pluckers in dallas and happy to be out here if you're anywhere in the area stop by and see us we'd love to meet you thank you for listening we certainly appreciate that teddy emmerich still up here enjoying some lunch uh the great jeff cavanaugh is up here with amanda gara enjoying some lunch and uh god we got some mavs dancers up here too it's a good time up here at pluckers in dallas we'd love for you to stop by Speaking of stopping by, we had a, a big-time Tolo stop by and wanted us to give a shout-out to his friend, Matt Martin, out in Rowlett. So we want to give you a shout-out, and thank you very much for, for listening. Uh, we have a little bit of breaking news regarding the Errol Spence Jr. situation. Do you have a good handle on that, Skin? Yeah, so basically he suffered broken teeth, but he is expected to make a full recovery. Sources do say this is according to J.D. Miles at, uh, at J.D. Miles 11. Uh, so that's very encouraging news. However, he is expected to face a DWI charge based on the investigation. That oh. is according to J.D. Miles sources. But, dude, if he got out of this thing with broken teeth. I mean, that's like something you could come out of uh, after a boxing match. I was going to say, man, he'll just get an incredible shiny grill and be good to go, right? That is. Yeah, that's. But the other thing is, you know, if, you know, they again, sources say he could face a DWI charge based on the investigation. If that's the case, he's also lucky that nobody else was injured oh, or yeah. killed. Right. You know, that would have ended everything for I him. Was, I was sitting there thinking, I mean, it's, it's like all these uh, fables of, you know, soaring too high, too close to the sun. But I don't know if you guys know the whole Teddy Pendergrass story. But he was, like, sitting on top of the world as R&B legend, and he was driving too fast, and his car flipped, and then he's paralyzed for life. And it's that whole thing about, you know, when you're caught up in this world of celebrity and nothing can touch you, and I'm driving a Ferrari, and the recklessness is, is everywhere. I mean, Honestly and truly, this could be the kind of thing that sort of, quote-unquote, saves his life. You right. know, I mean, it really grounds you. If you can go through an experience like that and you come out with it with just broken teeth, it could be an amazing thing for him. Yeah, no no question. Uh, but we'll continue to uh, monitor this story. Errol Spence Jr. involved in a car accident, not wearing a seatbelt, crashed a, re- a white Ferrari early, early uh, this morning. And uh, sounds like uh, he's going to be okay in terms of life-threatening issues. Uh, that's that's really good. Uh, okay, hey, uh, let's get back into a little Dallas Cowboys football. 
and aw crap. Aw crap. Our guy, John Mashoda, uh, has written a piece for The Athletic, and we'd like to go through this. These are the five biggest issues for the Dallas Cowboys, five things that are legitimate concerns right now. They have five big issues. How can we fix those issues? Let's try to tackle how you fix those issues, starting with number five, field goals. As he points out, oh, crap, Brett Myers missed three of his last six field goal attempts. Two have been from beyond 50, but the most costly came last week from 33 yards out in the game's final minutes. Everything is correctable, Maher said. Just getting back at it and going one for one the next time I go out there, that's not good enough for me. But I don't have a solution. If you're going to fix this, you have to fix it in the offseason. You have to bring in better kickers. You have to have a competition. you got to try to find somebody better. He was bad at the end of last year. He was bad in camp. He's been bad this year. And it's not like there's just a bunch of kickers out there who are awesome waiting for you to sign them. All right, I got something unconventional for you guys. Since we've been talking about this, talking about wasting assets, what about finding a kicker on a bad team that's a good kicker on the last year of his deal and trading for him? Now, you normally wouldn't even draft a kicker, right? Right. But if you think that that is your Achilles heel, and I know numbers people are going to go, dude, kickers, you don't do that. This is ridiculous. I mean, I can see KT scrunching his face up. But if you had some team out there that was currently one in four or something and they're only going to get worse, why wouldn't you give up a fifth-round pick for a kicker if it could help your ass out late in the season? Do any bad teams have good kickers? Sure. I mean, well, I'm shooting from the hip. Like, in other words, I'm talking about a guy who is an upgrade over Maher. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, okay. I, I, I still think it's hard to know. I mean, so he, again, he's only missed three. So, he was bad last year. He's bad in camp. He's been bad for a while. No, I agree. It's just about, we're talking about trading assets for a kicker. No, I, I, I kind of fall in line with what Jerry said on 105.3 The Fan. Jerry told Sean and RJ, hey, man, let's just screw the kicking game. Let's just go score touchdowns. Maybe you start going for it more in fourth this down. That's my problem. Maybe yeah. you start yeah. going for two more. I don't know. Although he hadn't missed an extra point. He's been fine on extra. Out, but. but you also don't want to trash his confidence for when you do need extra. Tw- it's a very delicate balance. You guys remember last year when Minnesota brought Dan Bailey in and he missed two field goals? And so suddenly Minnesota's just going for it all the time, and then yeah. Bailey can't. He's sitting there going, oh, crap. I got the yips on oh, crap. Yeah. But that's what the, my whole thing. What Jerry's quote on Tuesday, we need to focus on getting touchdowns. That's why on fourth and five before the half the other day, I was going, what are we doing? I, was, I, just, I, I understood the logic, but it just felt like such a bad plan to guarantee that you were going to give Aaron Rodgers the ball back well, at the time. It hamstrings you when stop. your kicker sucks. I mean, if you can count those three points, you're happy to do it. They weren't operating like a team who thinks their kicker sucks when you're kicking a 55-yarder yeah. on Agreed. fourth and five. You're right. Agreed. They're irrational about it. Which, ah, crap, brings Uh, us to number four. Ah, crap, Mashota broke down another issue. Is it fixable? And that is an out-of-sorts run game. Zeke said yesterday, we've just got to get our edge back. We've got to go out there and play like us. We've got to go out there and play fast. We've got to run. We've got to play physical football. We've got to hit those guys and just get back to our identity. And obviously their identity has been with Zeke running the ball. Since 2016, the Cowboys are 19-4 and when they score a touchdown in the first quarter. Uh, so they are like if they can control the clock, if they can play their style, if they get their running game going, we know that's been their identity. 
moving forward. The problem is uh, if you get down early, like, and obviously that wasn't the case in the, in the Saints game. That's not why they failed. They got shut down in that game. Maybe they were new when the Cowboys were running. But if you just look at the Packers game, they got down, what, 31-3. to It's hard to – they were running effectively prior to that. So if they can just keep the game close, they'll get back to the running game being okay, I think. Yeah, I was going to say if one of their five problems is the running game, then they have four problems. The running game is not a problem. Zeke ran for 60 yards on 12 carries. The running game is not a problem. Oh, crap. Skin didn't like that. Sorry, Mishota. All right. Here are the four problems the Cowboys have. Number three. It sounds better if it's five in the time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you I'm, just, needed a fifth one. I'm saying if editorial content is forcing you to have a bad premise, that's change the premise. Turning the ball over on offense. That has been an issue. One of Dak's greatest strengths has been taking care of the ball. Even in college, he was fantastic with that. He's been fantastic about that here. All of a sudden, Cowboys are trying to move the ball down the field more. They're throwing, you know, Dak has, is throwing more interceptions. You know, part of this is, you know, he has one interception on a Hail Mary. He's had a couple of interceptions directly off all ten fingertips of his receiver. Right. There have been some questionable ones, though. Sure. You know, they're going to happen to anybody throwing the ball and not recognizing if it's a zone or man or you know, the, the, the one that's most concerning to me is the one that he got out of. He dodged a bullet. It was the one where he just lofted it in the air in the end zone. That was terrible. And it got reversed, obviously, with the, with the penalty. He was bailed out of that one. But, you know, I, I'm not sitting here worried about Dak and the interceptions right now. Me neither. And so, you know, a couple of those ricochet interceptions, those are definitely problematic. But I'm not sitting here worried about that right now. So I'm, maybe is this not even a problem? No, no, no. It's fair to bring up because you've had, uh, you know, you should have had four last week. You know, the problems the week before were the fumbles. So, you know, he's talking about turnovers in general. Turnovers have been the two biggest culprits of losing your, of your two-game losing streak. I really, even if they weren't, even if they just ended up being field goals, if you don't have those two first-half fumbles against the Saints, I think you beat them. All right, so you guys want to walk the plank with me right here? Yeah. So number five was kicking. So I'm going to ask you guys to just go with me for a second. Okay, where are we going? Just for the sake of this, kicking was number five. Uh Let's say Maher turns it around and is decent. Let's say he's okay. He only misses six field goals this year. Can you give me 87.5%, which is what he was last year? Yeah, okay. Okay. Let me give you – I'll get you up to 85%. I okay. need 87 and a half. He was 80 last year, right? I thought he was 87 He was 80%. All right. It was just, he missed eight last year. Quit He's, yelling at Ben. So, so let's say kicking gets turned around is not a problem. Run offense. Let's say that's not a problem. It's right? not. Because it might not be. It's not. It was against the Saints. But it was against the Saints. But eh. And run defense was not a problem against the Saints. And let's say that this last one, the turnovers is just a short-term thing, a blip on the radar, Whatever it happens, crazy. NFL's wild. I'll go there with you. That would be three problems that we could just say aren't a thing anymore. All right, let's get to the ones that actually you may not be able to get out of, and that is number two. Ah, crap. Mishota says in The Athletic, it's a lack of takeaways. It's been a problem for years. The Cowboys have four takeaways this year on defense. Only four teams have fewer. Dallas has never finished higher than 16th in this department since 2015. One of the biggest problems is a lack of interceptions. Uh, since 2015, Dallas has never had more than 10 in a season. Uh, to compare, the New England Patriots already have 11. They yeah. already have 11 picks. Yeah, so uh, that ain't changing. I would be surprised if that changes significantly. Yeah. I mean, we're five games into this thing, and it's the same thing we've been seeing. That's an identity thing. That's an identity thing. 
And this is where you get into, well, then why would we pay all that money to Byron? Which we all know Byron's a blanket. I mean, dude, he, he straight covers you. He's a bobin blanket. He is. Um, but I, I don't know that that changes unless their defensive line suddenly starts getting a ton of pressure and creates bad throws. I, I don't. I don't know how that. I don't know how that changes, dude. I agree. I don't. Yeah. I think it's what they are. It's They're they, a team they, that doesn't get turnovers. Yeah, they they pride themselves in not giving up the big play. They really just don't want to give up the big play, and yeah. so they'd rather play soft and let you complete stuff underneath rather than be super aggressive and go for picks. It's kind of their identity. Uh, and then, ah, oh, crap. Oh, Mishota says their number one biggest issue, stopping the run. Oh, yes. Cowboys, we saw it happen against the Rams in the playoffs. We've seen it time and time again this season. Boy, it really, really sucked watching Aaron Jones, you know, look like Walter Payton against the, the Cowboys. Mishota says, oh, crap. Getting Antoine Woods back is a good start to being a solution. But let's, let's, let's be honest, Antoine Woods is not like a first-round draft pick, stud of the NFL. He's not a pro bowler. He's not some freakish beast. He's better than what they got, and I love me some Antoine Woods. But if he's the savior of this thing, we're probably screwed. Yeah, uh, I think that that's going to have to come. Well, I, it can come from within if the linebackers greatly turn it around. You know, we know what the defensive line is. We know what their style of play is. It's going to have to be Jalen and Layton being the ones that are dynamically changing your fortune on your run. They've got to get off blocks. They've played physical before. They've got to get off blocks. They need help. It all works in conjunction with each other. But they've got to be better because I think Jalen and Vanderush. one reason you paid Jalen that money, one reason you paid Sean Lee that money all those years is they cover up problems. Right. Cover up problems, whether it be up front or elsewhere on the defense. They have to keep doing that. Oh, crap, though. I'll tell you the biggest issue to me, bigger than all these issues, there's another issue, and that is the health of your tackles. Yep. Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins, if they can't play, look, if Cam Fleming is forced to be on the field a lot, that's the biggest issue the Cowboys face. We could sit, You're not going to be able to do what you want to do offensively if Cam Fleming is out there for – a long time your quarterback's going to potentially get killed the only reason i wouldn't put that on the list though ben is because there is a chance that these guys might play on sunday which we're playing the jets which means we feel pretty confident they'll play when it really matters against we'll have Philly. a better idea tomorrow make sure you listen to all of our show tomorrow 10 to 2 we'll know if lyle and tyron practice because that's going to be huge we will have jerry on at 10 30 as well to weigh in but that's going to be huge one of those guys needs to practice tomorrow all right uh we are at pluckers lovers in greenville we're eating all the delicious food our buddy tommy miller a brewing legend on the dfw brew scene is here uh we got jeff and amanda here we got tons of tolos people are scooping up flags are we out of flags we are out of flags uh big dong jeremy so Thanks. uh sorry you're gonna have to uh be wherever the G-Bag Nation is next to get their flags. I believe they're at a bistro today. We'll talk to those guys coming up here in about an hour. But coming up next here on the Ben and Skin Show, people finally got to see Porzingis on an NBA floor last night, and the results were downright magical. We'll talk about that next on 105.3 The Fan. All right, it's Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. We're at the Pluckers in Dallas at Lovers and Greenville. Do get on out here to join us. We're going to get into our Jets-Cowboys preview in the form of KT's Jets-Cowboys Red Band Trailer. We what? do it every Thursday at 1 o'clock. We don't know what it means, but it's means. always very, very good uh, game content. 
But last night, local Twitter was all abuzz as we saw the uh, debut, at least preseason basketball debut, of Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis together against the Detroit Pistons. And, Ben, I'd go so far as to say I don't think anybody was disappointed with what they saw. Man, I am so excited. It's everything I could have wanted it to be. I mean, each of them were just killing it. Like, they both had, like, 18 points in the first 20 minutes or whatever. Uh, it was it was fantastic. I'm not used to watching a guy that's that tall be that skilled. Yeah. Like, I don't. He, I don't, he shoots really effortlessly. Yeah. He, he's it's so super easy. huge. Uh, yeah. And they talk about that, like, with pitchers. You know, you can be consistent if you have, uh, you know, um, a repeatable motion, right? A repeatable motion that's easy to do over and over. There's not a lot of movement on it. He, he He's. I mean, his jump shot just looks so freaking clean. There's not a lot of wild arms flailing or anything. It's really clean. And so since he's so huge, it makes it easier for him, at least it appears that way, to shoot from way further back. Yeah, uh, it is definitely a super crispy clean to bomb. Uh, If you just look at the numbers, basically Porzingis went out there and he gave you uh, 18 points and seven rebounds in 19 minutes. And Luca gave you... 21 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 assists in 28 minutes. So you can tell that those two guys are going to be incredibly productive together. And and another function of the offense that, you know, wasn't really fully on display is, uh, you know, Dwight Powell is the role man out there with all those guys. I think you saw how open a lot of those shots are going to be for guys. Hmm. And the other thing is who do you put on Porzingis because – if you put Drummond on him, he can cross him up. You know, yeah. everyone was freaking out when Porzingis did a crossover dribble and pulled up for a perfectly clean 18-foot look because Drummond couldn't be anywhere near him. And then when you put a guy that can stay in front of him on the dribble out there, well, he's going to go to about 28 feet from the basket, and you're not going to be able to close out on him. So. He is truly a nightmare matchup for teams because he is so skilled offensively. Yeah, and he even had uh, you know some of the some of the low post stuff was was on display. You know, a little turnaround buttery jumper uh, with just such amazing touch. Uh, I also love the uh, kind of alley oop uh, late in the game uh, from Luca, and Luca just threw it up a mile in the air, and he had no problem getting up there and, and finding it. And it, it wasn't that he flushed it with a dunk; he kind of put it in with some finesse and touch, but it's going to be really difficult to stop those guys. They appeared to have immediate chemistry. Luca was looking for him all night. Uh, man, they just really gelled together the first time my eyeballs have seen them play together, and it's only going to get better. Can we I want to talk about the alley-oop for a minute? Because that one made me nervous. About his leg? I don't want any of that in the preseason. I don't need it in the preseason. It's still preseason. I know everyone's excited about it, but no, 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 none of that rolling to the hoop. Lob up, don't need him jumping in traffic. There's four guys, which means there were eight legs that he could have landed on. All right, I mean, oh, that made me so nervous. I didn't like that one. Let's let Porzingis address that. Here is a clip from uh, Brad Townsend's Twitter timeline last night. Listen to what Porzingis is saying here about not only being back, but kind of what KT's talking about there. Good. I think, I mean, I was out for a while, you know. So to be back out there on the floor, it felt good. Um, didn't feel like felt pretty natural, you know. Um, so you know, missed a lot of open looks, but uh, 
I'm, I'm, I'm happy about you know just me, me being out there on the floor again. And uh, you know, now it's time to get some wins. Did anything feel different with the knee at all? No, not, nothing at all. And I've been already playing pickup for so long. I don't even think about it anymore. You know, I was just uh, felt different in, in in other ways on the court. Felt a little bit stronger. Um, I was taking it easy. I wasn't you know doing, trying to do too much or go too fast. I was kind of pacing uh, myself, and I felt good. I felt good. I felt comfortable out there, and, and uh, I just wanted to make more shots. He was pacing himself to the tune of 18 points in 19 minutes. Just gotta take it easy, you know. Take and, it out. <laughs> and he's not thinking about the knee at all he's just out there playing it looked so natural that was the best thing i could have heard him say last night i ain't even thinking about the knee there was did you guys see the moment late in the game and i apologize i can't remember this guy's name uh for the pistons but he looked like a scrappy little point guard he was guarding luca brown and he slapped the ball out of luca's hand after the whistle had blown yeah and luca hit him with the no 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 (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. And, and it was like the closest thing uh, Luca would do to talking trash. And the, the guy was like, what? Are, is that, are you talking trash? Luca was like, no, no, don't, no, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Whatever you do, don't, don't do that. And he was like looking down the court. And I was like, is that like Luca talking trash? I mean, I, I wonder what Luca would really look like if he got super mad. Do you remember last year? Did he get heated at any time? Um, I'm trying to think. There, I do remember him getting frustrated. I'm trying to remember the game, and then he answered by hitting some big shots. Um, God, was that Houston? That might have been against Houston. That's what I was Houston, thinking immediately. And it was P.J. Brown, I think. Uh, P.J. Tucker? I'm sorry, P.J. Yeah, we'd have a story if P.J. Brown yeah, was out there. Back. <laughs> uh, and I believe it was P.J. Tucker that was bodying him up. I do vaguely remember some of that. He uh, ripped um, his jersey, too, remember? Was that P.J. Tucker that did that? No, no, no. Luca did, right? Didn't he? Didn't oh, he, when, he, when he ripped his jersey that's when, he, that's when he got mad. Yeah. He got mad about the way some passing happened at the end of a half, and he was walking back. He did the Incredible Hulk routine. Oh, that's right. That was halftime. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I do wonder about, like, how he's laughing the whole game. Yes. And, and one of the things is, like, <laughs> I just think about old coaches, <laughs> and they're going, man, you went 5 of 10 from the free throw line. Can you stop laughing out there? Like, wouldn't that – what how Rick processes all that and what he does. He's talking – the way he's talking about Luka now, he's talking about Luka like he's one of the three or four best players in basketball. And he like, is. If you hear the clips, yeah. you know, the, the reverence with which he's holding him, it's – I haven't heard amazing. that. I, I want to hear it, especially now that you're saying that. But I agree with Carlisle that he is that. And, dude, Luca's got way more leverage in this organization than Carlisle. Carlisle has no other option but to do that, really, unless he wants to leave town. Right. Because, really, it's not up to Luca to, uh, to fit in Carlisle's system. It's up to Carlisle to make Luca like him, really. Absolutely. I mean, Luca's I, I know not, that's crazy. It's but. the truth of the modern NBA. Yeah. You know, Luca's not – This that's the case for any of these coaches, you know. Vogel's got yep. to make sure that Anthony Davis thinks he's amazing. Right. Or he's gone. Right. Uh, because it's too hard to get. You know, it's so funny. And in hindsight, you know, I feel like a fool that we had the conversation because you and I were both wrong. But remember when we had the conversation about would you rather have Dwight Howard or Rick Carlisle if they didn't get along? <laughs> oh, my God. Carlisle's yes. wife got so mad at us. She was like, I'm not talking to you two. That's right. It was so funny because she's great, dude. We love God. her. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, she's the best Carlisle. She, uh, she's the number one ranked Carlisle. Uh, but anyways, the whole point is that, you know, that, that the part of that discussion is they're so hard to get those guys. Now, Dwight Howard wasn't one of those guys. 
but Luke and Porzingis are those guys. And Rick's smart, dude. He knows it. He's not going to go old school coach on those guys and show them who's boss. He's going to work with them. So if Luca wants to giggle and laugh all game, it's going to be that way. Yeah, it There's going to be no stopping that. Right. And I think what Rick will do is Rick will go, let me show you some Larry Bird clips. You know, Larry Bird missed a free throw. And Luca's going to say, I'm Luca. <laughs> He's going to say, yeah, but that guy never huh. missed a free throw. I live on There's the second Bird floor. guy, old man. You know yeah, what, though? Right. It's funny. Uh, I do think Luca would l- – I'm sure he's watched Larry Bird. He'd love Larry Bird's game. Larry, oh, sure. Larry yeah. Bird used to point to the g- places on the floor where he was about to hit a jumper over you. Um, so that's uh, – It's just I'm just so excited that we have these guys, and they're so fun to watch. Yeah. Those guys are – it's special to have two guys that age – in that classification. And you were telling me, Ben, you saw somewhere that Porzingis' three goals or yeah. what? All right, so my understanding is that Porzingis said his three goals are, number one, to be an all-star. Which, so let's talk about that. And they were talking about the morning show. Okay. it's They, they don't classify it as centers anymore. It's just bigs, bigs and, and wings, wings, right? Yeah, yeah bigs and, and guards, yeah. And, and so, essentially, that's what it is, bigs and guards. So, because they were sitting there talking about, okay, pretty crowded. You've got two of the unicorns. You know, in the Western Conference. Right. You know. Um, That's why a fast start is so imperative. Right. So, is it – it's not crazy that uh, – I think two guys can make the all-star team. for. I think Luke is in. I think Anthony Luke, Davis, Jokic, and Porzingis could all be in the all-star game, right? Because sure. they're all bigs. Sure. Yeah. And the other thing would be, uh, so are they going to classify LeBron as a big? Are they going to classify LeBron as a, as a guard? Because – all the chatter in L.A. is that LeBron's your starting center there, but he's a point center. So is he a point guard or a center? I mean, they really need to trash all of that and just have all-stars. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but whatever. They're I trying mean, to get they're there. They're trying okay. to do that. So all-star, that's one of his goals. I'll, I'll save the most unique one for last. Uh, another one of his goals is he'd like to be the MVP of the league. That'd be incredible. Uh, he's going to struggle to be the MVP of the team because uh, of Luca, but that's an incredible goal. I love it, and I love the way he's talking, and I love the way he looked out there uh, because, you know, it's so funny. We get into, like, who's the best player, right? And then we start talking about, well, can he defend? Can he pass? Can he do all this stuff? So for all the things that Dirk, quote-unquote, couldn't do well, all any other team that played the Mavericks cared about was Dirk. That's all they cared about. How do we defend this? How is our game plan going to be to where this doesn't destroy us the entire game? So you can sit there and go, yeah, but KG could do this, 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 and this. You go, okay, that's cool. But the other team, all they care about is that one guy. That's all they care about is him. If they can't deal with him, they will lose the basketball game. And so when you start talking about it in those terms, Porzingis becomes that. Porzingis, the other team is sitting there going, what do we do here? Right. How do we stop this? Finally, his third goal, as I understand it, is to be defensive MVP of the league. All right. so or Defensive player of the league. That's not going to happen. Well, let me say this. If he is defensive player of the league, he is also MVP of the league. Because if the best defensive player in the league is giving you 25 and 8 every night as well, that's the best player in the league. That's yeah. simply the best player. Those in the are league. lofty goals for him. Yeah, uh, the last one specifically, very lofty. Aim for the stars, baby. Who, uh, is, is there a title on that list? <laughs> <laughs> who is who is the comp for Porzingis? I don't know. A unicorn. Is there even two guys you could mash up? I mean, there's a lot of what he does. He's not as big, but there's a lot of what he does that's Joel and Bead like. 
You know, I mean, they're similar entities. Uh, Porzingis is a better shooter, but you've got to worry about Embiid bombing threes. And then when he gets you on the block, he's just going to shoot right over you. Embiid's a better rebounder, shot blocker than Porzingis. Well, actually, they're probably comparable shot blockers. Um, But, I mean, I think Embiid and Porzingis are probably the two players that are most like one another than they are like anybody else that's out there. Like, you know, even Anthony Davis and Giannis are more alike than they're dissimilar. You know what I'm saying? And I would think Embiid and Porzingis are more alike than they're dissimilar. I think they're more like each other than they are to either two of those one other guys. And then where does Jokic exist? Jokic is just... He's like the extra-large Luka. (laughs) He's Greenland or something. (laughs) Like, what is that? Is that a continent? I don't even know what that is. When does the season start? Like, uh, I'm ready. 23rd. Yep. Uh, Wednesday the 23rd, the Washington Wizards come into town. By the way, boys, have you seen Zion's preseason? Yeah. Yeah, God, I saw a dunk last night. They should probably start some load management on him. Dude. He's tearing it up too early. He's tearing it up. He's putting too much good tape out there. So you will see that. uh, That's how the Mavs start. They start Wednesday night, home game against the Wizards, and then Friday night, uh, side-by-side. We always want you to watch our broadcast, but also ESPN's carrying Pelicans and uh, Mavericks on a Friday night. It's first week right out the gate. Pelican. Pelicans and Mavs are two teams that figure to be locked up trying to get that eight or seven spot, so. Awesome stuff. Awesome. Awesome. It was so much fun watching that. All right, coming up next, let's get ready for a little Dallas Cowboys football with KT's Red Band trailer. No one what? knows what it means, but it's a Thursday tradition unlike yep. any other. Next, live from Pluckers in Dallas, the KT Red Band trailer. Next. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 